Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Well, good morning, officially. Um, We get to start a new series today, of one I'm very excited about. Um, I always get excited when we get to talk about the life of Christ and, um, and the impact. And reality is that, you know, the whole Bible is very important. But when we come to the life of Christ, we're talking about a time, an individual, God in the flesh, who transformed all of history. In fact, all of his story, God's history, right, his story, focuses on this moment. I mean, we're talking about a period of about 30, 33 years, over a history of about 6,000 right now, 6,000 years, okay? If you don't agree with me on that one, we can talk later, okay? But we're about 6,000 years into this thing. And so about 4,000 years into the history of the earth, God chose to walk the earth in the casing of a man for a period of approximately 30 to 33 years and let man destroy him, kill him, at least from man's perspective, in order that he might bring redemption to those who he created in his image and likeness. An amazing, amazing time. Now, as we come to this book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, again, as we've just got done talking about dispensationalism and talking about literal interpretation, stuff like that, we want to make sure that we treat this book properly. Matthew was a Jew. We'll talk about him in a few weeks when we come to his conversion story. But he was, he was a a Jewish man who had a specific task, which was what? Anybody remember what he was? He was a tax collector. He was not well-liked by his countrymen. He was working for the Romans, okay? So he's a tax collector, and Jesus told him to, to leave everything, leave his money, and leave his money, money table, and he did. And he followed Christ, okay? But he's a Jew. He was a Jew. In his letter, his gospel, is written to... Jewish people, regarding a Jewish Messiah. Very critical. The book of Luke, Luke was not a Jew, potentially. Okay? He's not writing to a a Jewish audience. So Luke's gospel has a a kind of a Gentilish feel to it, because that's who he's writing to. The book of John, the gospel of John, John's writing to an audience of Gnostics. Okay, we talked about Gnosticism when we went through the First Corinthians. Okay, and so they were Greeks. Okay, and John is writing to these Gnostic believers and these Gnostic people. And so when you read the book of John, there's a whole lot of stuff about the Word and light and, and all this kind of stuff. It's because those were key terms to the Gnostics. And so he was writing about the deity of Christ and what the impact of Christ in our world was. But he's writing to a Gnostic audience. Matthew, he's writing to a Jewish, Jewish audience about a Jewish Messiah, okay? And so you've got to have this mindset when you come through here and you read this because we miss so much of the life of Christ because we try to bring him into the United States in the 21st century, and it doesn't fit. It was an agrarian society. Many people farmed, okay? As we're going to find out, Joseph was brought up in the house of a carpenter. 
okay, in a small town, okay? And so we've got to place all these things in there and understand what's going on. This first chapter is huge, as we get into this, from the, the, the point of view of the claim of Jesus being Messiah, Messiah. We're going to use the term Christ many times as we come through here, because that's the Greek term. The Greek term is Christos. Literally means anointed one. It is the Greek term, which would be for the translation of the Hebrew term, Messiah. Okay? So, we're going to be focusing on the Messiah, which is to say, through the Greek, the Christ. Right? Both, literally, we're going to be focusing on the anointed one. The one who was anointed by God for this purpose. Who was himself God in the flesh. That God came. And so this is an exciting time for me, an exciting message for me as we, we, we embark on this. Okay? And so the first thing we want to do as we come into this is we're going to look at the royal lineage that is presented here. Now, in this royal lineage, okay, note that Matthew begins this royal lineage from where? From where? Abraham. Abraham. Okay? If you go to the book of Luke and you go to Luke. Luke's lineage, he actually, actually takes it all the way back to Adam. Okay, Again, why? Because Luke is writing to a Gentile audience. He's going all the way back to the beginning of mankind. Matthew, the whole case here that Matthew is presenting is that Jesus is, in fact, Messiah. Who is Abraham? Father Abraham. It's the father of the Jews. Okay, It was the beginning of the Israeli nation, if you would. Okay, And so... He's taken Jesus, if you would, okay, Messiah, all the way back to Abraham. Now, what I want to note first in this is really kind of cool, because he didn't need to do this. The, the lineages, the, the Sephar, needed the order that he needs to bring. We'll talk about the Sephar in a moment. Okay? The only thing he needs to do here is present the males, because it comes down through the man. Okay? But purposely, specifically, Matthew, a Jew, think about this, records four, if you would, indiscreet woman, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and then she who was the wife of Uriah. Okay? That, that, all that's in the Talises. Literally, is she who was of Uriah. Uriah's wife. We know her as Bathsheba. What do we know about them? Well, Ruth... We'll just take Ruth out for a moment, okay? Because Ruth doesn't fit what the other things. But Ruth was a Moabitess. They weren't allowed in the temple, okay? Interestingly enough, then, David winds up being a what? A descendant of a Moabitess. Though the female, okay, wasn't the male, so it doesn't disrupt the, the genealogy, doesn't disrupt the lineage, okay? But God allows to bring in this Gentile blood into he who would be Messiah's Messiah to the Jews, but not just to the Jews. He's Messiah for, for all of us, to the Jews and the Gentiles. That we're told in, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, they who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He's talking to us. The light that came into the world was going to be a light not only to the Jews, but also for the entire world. 
How cool was that? Okay? And so God places within this lineage Gentile blood. If Jesus, think about this, if Jesus was only purely Jewish blood, there would be a claim, wouldn't there? But God distinctly does this. Tamar. Who was Tamar? Ugh. Now we know she was the wife of Perez, right? Or actually she gave, but she actually gave birth through uh, Judah. Well, she prostituted herself, but who was she? She was a Canaanite. She wasn't a Jew either. She was a Canaanite. Who, um, the, the son of Jacob, Judah, married, right? Well, actually not, actually Jacob's grandson, because right, it was Perez, okay? And then he didn't have a child, and so he, she was given to the next son, right? He decided he didn't want to have any kids through her, and so he wouldn't fulfill his, his purpose, and God then killed him. Uh, my mind's blanking. Was it Onan? Onan? Okay. Okay. And so, then anyways, he should have been handed off again, but Judah didn't want to do that because he didn't want his third kid killed off, you know? And so, so he, he didn't do that. And so he waited and said, you know, I'll give you the next son. Well, it wasn't happening. She realized that the next son was given away. And so she, there she was living as a, a widow, but she wanted to have a kid. Not a rightful thing to do, okay? But she presented herself as a prostitute. And she knew exactly where Judah was going to be walking. She had, what a setup, huh? She knew what her father-in-law was like. Anyways, and so, how sad. And so she, she sets herself up as a, like a temple prostitute, okay? He walks through the city. He sees her. He offers her money. It's not a pleasant thing. The Bible doesn't hide, hide our, 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 uh, our, our ugliness, our caca, as we talked about, you know? It, 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 it doesn't hide that stuff, you know? And um, so... Judah stops and he has a relationship, right? Later she's found out to be with child. He wants to burn her. He wants to kill her because she's prostituted. What a hypocrite, right? Well, he couldn't pay. He didn't have the lamb to pay. So he gives her his staff and his signet ring, right? Later he goes to have somebody go to take the goat and he says, well, she's not there. What did she do? She had proof of who the father was. They didn't have DNA testing back then, but she had the staff and the ring, right? Okay? And so Judah wants to have her killed, right? And says, ah, I can't believe it. She says, send this to him and tell him the father owns these. She's more righteous than I am, he says. But then he puts her in seclusion. This child is one of the ancestors of Jesus. How cold is that? You got problems? He's the Messiah of, that, that overcomes problems, huh? He's the Messiah of the Gentiles. He's the Messiah. Bathsheba. I mean, well, Rahab. We've got to go start with Rahab, right? What if she's not only a Gentile, right? And she's not only the harlot. She's got them both, right? She's a Gentile and a harlot, right? But what a woman of faith. By faith, Rahab lied. She's a liar. <laughs> but God blessed it, right? What did she do? She hid the spies. She's the only one in the city. Think about this. They had heard what was going on. People in Jericho, they all heard what was going on. And they were fearful. But there wasn't anybody else who followed the God of the, the Hebrews. But she did. Even to the point of potentially having herself killed by hiding the spies. 
What do you think this, the conversations went like when Rahab talked to her family about coming into her house so that they could be spared when Israel came and destroyed the city? I don't want to go into this, but I just want you to think about that. Think about what, I mean, some stuff happened. She went out and said, hey, um, <clears throat> when you see Israel kind of walking around the, the, the city and it looks like we're about ready to be overrun, I would strongly suggest you come into my house. You live on the wall. Why would I go into your house? Well, I just think it would be a really good thing. Anyways, just, you can ponder all of those conversations. What? Did she come out and say, hey, I have this contract with, the, with, with our enemies? I'm a traitor, you know? So come live in my house because when it all happens, plays out, you know, and you know he's going to win. Yahweh's going to win. What? I can't believe that you have turned against our gods. And blah, blah, blah. I just can't imagine. What a woman of faith. Yes, she's a Gentile. And she's a prostitute. And a liar. But you know what? Salmon, I think probably one of the spies, marries her. And, and, and winds up having Boaz. So when Boaz, we think about Boaz and how honorable this guy is. So when Ruth comes with Naomi... Who's Boaz? He's a half... I don't mean this wrong. But from their perspective, the Jews' perspective, he's what? He's a half-breed. He's already a blended guy. He's not full. Right? But he is Jewish. Through the male lineage. And so there's Ruth, who's a Moabitess. But his mom was a Jerichoite. Does it make sense? And so here we have in this lineage of Christ, what a beautiful picture. And this Jewish author, human author, didn't have to record all that. Does that make sense? This is a Jewish writing to Jewish people to proclaim a Jewish Messiah. And yet, by the inspiration of God, God had him record for us, Gentiles, who look to the Jewish Messiah as the Savior of the world, to remind us that though God chose to use a certain people, his love has always been and will always be for the entire world. Every single one of us are made in the image and likeness of God. And as I shared in Sunday school, that means Iraqis, the Iranis, the Afghanis, the Yemenis. You put whatever group you may think of, terrorist group or whatever, or enemies, Russians, North Koreans, God loves them. He died for them. He is long-suffering toward them, not willing that any of them should perish. That's not an American verse. It's a worldwide verse. This man, Jesus, God in the flesh, came of Jewish lineage, but he is not only... Messiah for the Jews. He's Messiah, Savior, anointed one, Christ, for all the nations. What else do we see in this royal lineage of Christ? It's the proof of his ancestry. This is a big deal. Again, you have to be able to record um, your Sephir Yushin um, in order to prove who you are. Major, major deal. Now, you can go back to Nehemiah 7.5. That's not... But just so you know where that word, Sephar, you can come from, okay? That they actually have, then, a registry of their genealogies. This is a big deal for the Jews, okay? Now, 
when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, it is very commonly believed that all the genealogical records were destroyed. I've done a lot of research on this in the last two weeks, okay? Um, because I've done it in the past, but, I, you know, there's more information out there today. So now, though, there is, the Jews are countering this because the claim has always been that a Messiah can never come. The Jews are now countering all this, and they understand this, okay? There is, right now, you can go out on the web, there are 150 people throughout the world who now can claim direct lineage back to David. Does that kind of make you pause for a moment? Now, here's the fun of it. Because I've been to the site, I've been to the David site, and I've been to all, the, all this kind of stuff, okay? Even on their own site, the Davidic, Davidic site, where they're claiming the lineage and stuff like that, and you go back through then the trees, the ancestry trees, there's a debate on the trees, the lineage. There, because what happened is, they believe that the, 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 the family of David went to Aleppo, anyways, and centered there. They don't what? Know it for a fact. It's commonly believed, okay? There is then this, this um, empty gap between then um, Shealtiel and Zerubbabel, okay, which we see in the lineage of Christ, okay? There's this gap between them then in a couple hundred years later when all of a sudden you have this Jewish rabbi um, who begins to write a, um, a lineage, okay, a Shephar Yuxin, which was p- burnt, partially burnt, so all they have is scraps of it. And then the next thing you have is you have this guy in the 1860s, I think it was 1860s, might have been 1840s, who wrote a book, a Jewish man, and in the beginning of his book, he writes down his Sephar Yuxin to declare that he is a descendant of David. So now you have come up into the 21st century. You have a guy in Chicago, okay, who um, his brother dies in New York, and he goes to New York, and all of a sudden there's all these people who are at the, the, the funeral who are, who are his relatives. He's never met them before. He's like, and it got him interested in doing this genealogical searches, right? And so he winds up getting this book from the 1840s, 1860s, okay? And he goes through that, that, that tree, and he realizes that one of those people in this guy's tree were one of his great-great-grandfathers. Therefore, he is the son of David. But what just happened? We're assuming that the guy in the 1840s, 1860s was right. If there's a big gap, and no one really can really confirm the genealogies in between there, how, does this, how do we know this guy was right? Does it make sense? So, anyways, understand there's a great debate going on right now, okay? And what would you expect if we're getting closer and closer to the end times and the return of Christ? There's going to be what? Antichrist. We're already told that, okay? Now, I'm not saying it's going to be one of these, quote-unquote, descendants of David, okay? But wouldn't that kind of make sense? Okay? Fun times we live in, okay? It really is. I always love that when they do the DNA test to find out if there's any descendants of Jesus or what. I was like, who had the DNA of Jesus? First of all, you got to find the what? The tomb. you got to find the body. There's no body. How, how do you get DNA? I mean, I just, this stuff is so nutso to me. And, and they bring out all this DNA claims. I was like, you guys are killing me. And you know what, though? Sadly is, 
most people believe it. I shared this months ago when Andrew and I just happened to turn on History Channel or whatever it was that one day, and we saw that they found the, the bones of John the Baptist up in Eastern Europe someplace. They did find the bones. They found... Well, I know, quote-unquote. Yeah, they found a tooth. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of reminds you of the Nebraska man where they found the pig's tooth and they made it into a, a, a Neanderthal man and said, oh, we found a Neanderthal man in Nebraska. And then they'll find, No, they found a tooth, and from that tooth they decided to construct a whole man. And then later on they found a, figured out it was a swine's tooth. <laughs> Many of your husbands may seem like pigs to you, but honestly, we are not derived from pigs. So, anyways... Um, it's just amazing what, what, what the secular science does, and we what? We embrace it. Careful. Okay? So I'm just telling you all that just to say, look, the Bible hasn't changed for thousands of years. The genealogy of Christ was written down. He has proof positive of who he is. It can't happen today. Does it make sense? There's a whole lot of other research that's going to have to happen. But I promise you, there are going to be, according to God's word, there are going to be those who claim to be who? Messiah. Remember? The Christ. Here's a Christ, is a Christ. Remember? The word Christ means anointed one. It's the transition of Messiah. So put in the term Messiah. Get rid of the term Christ. That's a Christian term, right? So they're going to be saying, here's a Messiah, there's a Messiah, there's a Messiah. Do you realize that every... Stop for a moment because I didn't state this. So on that same site, they've declared the Messiah is here. He's just hiding himself. See, they have the descendants of David. So he has to be a descendant of David, and they've just figured out who the descendants of David are. God is opening this up right now. And so Messiah is here. He just hasn't revealed himself. This is what they state. Do you realize that every world religion is looking for a physical Messiah right now? Except for true believers. Where's Jesus coming from? The clouds. We just talked about that. That's what the Word of God declares. So if you believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible, you know that Jesus is coming in the clouds. He's not walking on the sod. He's not being reborn again. Make sense? And he won't be. Yeah. And so, well, but he's hiding himself right now. But anyways, so... That's what they say. That's what they say, quote, unquote. Okay? So, so think about it. This is kind of fun times. Okay? For us to live and to, to study the word, to know the word, okay? Because deceptions are coming. They've been coming. They're, they're, they're using more um, uh, technological tools, okay? And so we need to be ready. All right, so his divine conception. Massive deal, okay? This is the linchpin of your salvation. I understand the resurrection is important, okay? But the divine conception of Christ, his incarnation, is the linchpin of your salvation. The sacrifice that had to be made had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice. The only way for that sacrifice to be perfect, human sacrifice, to be perfect, sinless, would be that God had to be the Father. Because the minute you were born, we're told in the book of Romans, and I don't have time for this right now, you were born in sin. Adam is your father. Sin was passed down through the father. 
That's why when you get to that lineage, right? And you, you, if you paid attention when Chuck was reading, and so-and-so begotten, so-and-so begotten, so-and-so begotten, so-and-so begotten, and so-and-so begotten, Joseph? Who what? He doesn't say adopted, but yes, that's the idea. Whose wife was Mary, of whom was born. It doesn't say, and then Joseph begot. Note how it stops there. So-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot. Boom. All of a sudden, Joseph, whose wife was Mary, of whom was born. Because Jesus isn't of Joseph. However, Joseph was of the lineage of David. And so, um, Jesus then has that claim. And so, he was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Then we read, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Jesus, before they came together. Why do you think Matthew is, is, is making these statements? Yes, he's making it crystal clear. He's driving it home. There was no relationship. There was no earthly father. Okay? He's trying to say, and a lot of times, like we looked at Revelation, and we saw it was 42 months, and we saw it was 1,260 days. Then there was three and a half years, times, times, and a half a time. That God uses multiple ways to drive home a very physical, literal message. Make sense? So, of whom was born, right? Then, before they came together, and then, the quote from Isaiah, Behold, the virgin. If you haven't figured it out yet, let me tell you one more time. In another way. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear his name, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. We'll come back to Emmanuel in a moment. Right now we're focused on the divine conception, right? So, you go back to this word. In the Greek, it's the word... Anybody know it? It's kind of fun. You do know it. And you've used it before. Say again? Vir- virgin. Parthenon. The Parthenon. Isn't that kind of cool? That's yeah, Parthenon. Anyways, and so, and it is used distinctly of a girl before she gets married. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, okay, I don't have time to go this, you can go, go check it out, okay, it is used in, in contrast to a wife. So you have the, the wife and then you have the non-wife. It was unheard of at that time, okay, and we'll come to this in just a moment, Okay, for someone who was not a wife to what? To have children. <laughs> okay, then she wouldn't be called just not a wife. She would be called a prostitute. Okay, so she's either a wife or she's a harlot or she's a non-wife. You get it? Okay, we don't like that in our terminology in our society today. That would not be politically correct to state. Okay, but that's in God's economy. That's how He's got it down. You're either a wife, a harlot. Or non-wife. That's how boy is done. Okay? So, his divine conception. Very clear, very uh, succinct. It's there. Okay? And people have got to make a decision whether they really believe in what? The literal interpretation of the Bible. Make sense? It says it. Do you believe it? That's where it settles, right? Now, the angelic proclamation. Um, this is really where I want to focus a little bit. This is on Joseph. Okay? Uh, and we're going to end with a song, Joseph's song, um, at the end here. Um, but I, again, I like to place myself in, in this stuff and just think about, uh, I, 
so many times I think about, what if I was Joseph? Marsha and I have just met. I want, her, I want to be married to her. I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm really pumped. Right? But soon after, you know, we, we, uh, we're looking to get married and all this kind of stuff, I find out what? She's pregnant. And she has the audacity to come to me and say what? Oh, I actually, I saw an angel. And he told me this was going to happen. And, 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 and really, I, I've, I've, never, I, I've never been with a guy. I mean, it, this just... I'm pre- God's child. He overshadowed. Yeah, right. I wasn't born yesterday. What kind of dupe do you think I am? Guys, what about you? You're more righteous than I am? Are you more spiritual than I am? You would have said, oh, great, wife. I'm so excited for you. I mean, how often has this ever happened before? Never. I mean, it's prophetically there. It's in 1 Corinthians 7. But who'd think that they're virgin was the virgin who was going to be the virgin that would God choose. You know, I mean, not my virgin. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just a what? I'm just a carpenter. I mean, who am I? So place yourself in Joseph's shoes at this moment. Did Joseph know he was in the lineage of David? He probably did because they had that, yeah, for, uh, the, the Sephir Yuxin. Right, exactly right. He had to go back for the census. So he knew who he was in the lineage of. But he was still just a what? A poor carpenter from Nazareth. As it says later, has anything what? Good come out of Nazareth? He was the least of the descendants of David that he'd probably be considered for this. Um, and I don't have time to get into it because actually the, there's a curse on Jeconiah as well that never he, would he have a descendant. And so it's really kind of a fun thing too, but I don't have time to go into it. But you can research that one. And so from his point of view, he's under a curse anyway. Make sense? So he would never be the father of Messiah. Okay? So, from his perspective, that's another fun thing. So, anyways, so Joseph has this what? This deliberation. His, his bride, now understand bride, okay? At that point, when they became betrothed, you came, became engaged, it was what? It was marriage. You were married. You were just waiting for it to be um, actualized. Okay? So, we treat engagement periods today very lightly. It's trial periods. We're going to have a trial period. In fact, in fact, we've gone so far in our society that they don't even do engagements. They just what? Live together for a period of time and decide whether they're, they're great for each other. And so they do everything married people are supposed to do, and then they decide what? No, we don't like it. Or, before they get married, they decide to have a, a prenuptial agreement, which means basically says what? We're planning on divorcing each other. And we just want to work it out now how we're going to divide everything out then. That's not how God designed it. We'll get there when we get to Matthew 19, okay? So, but Joseph, think about it. He's a Jewish man, okay? Remember, Judas, Jewish audience, he's a Jewish man. And now his wife, okay, his betrothed, is coming to him and telling him that he, she is pregnant. What does it say in this passage, then, that Joseph was of the mind to do? Put her away quietly. What could he have done? He could, he could have done it non quietly. <laughs> he could have had her stoned. According to the law, according to the law, she should have been dragged out and she should have been stoned. Because she was clearly guilty of adultery, right? We don't know who the father is, but we know she's pregnant. So she dies. 
But Joseph was a just man. He was a righteous man. He loved Mary. And he didn't, it wasn't a matter of wanting to bring her out and to to have her slayed. So he decided to put her away, which means what? Divorce. What was the only righteous cause for divorce? Unfaithfulness. Clearly, Mary was unfaithful. Now, I get it. We, we're, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can look and say, oh, no. If you were Joseph at that very moment, and you're looking at Mary, you see her as what? Unfaithful, right? So he makes the decision. He has this dilemma. He makes this decision, right, that he's going to put her away quietly. Enter God. God sends the angel, Gabriel, to go see Joseph. He's already gone to see Mary beforehand. He's the one who's told Mary, don't be afraid. You are highly favored among all women because God's going to allow you to do what all Jewish girls throughout history have had, wish that they had the opportunity to be the, the mother of Messiah. Whether they actually comprehended how that was going to happen and how God was going to come on the earth, make sense? They probably didn't have any comprehension how that was going to all play out. I mean, who would ever thought? I mean, there's another mystery of God, how this is going to play out, that the Spirit of God was going to overshadow her and she was going to be pregnant. How do you get pregnant without a, a, a relationship happening there, right? But it happened. And Mary accepted it, right? So God, in His grace, sends the angel to Joseph to declare to Joseph what he's about to do. But note, this is so exciting to me um, as we come here. Look at this first thing that he goes with him in verse 20. So it says, But while he thought, this is Joseph, but while Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, what? Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. God knows exactly where you're at right now. He knows the anxieties of your heart. Do you get it? He doesn't come down and beat Joseph up. Oh, you man of lack of faith. I cannot believe it. I've, this is in my word. You should be a student. Uh, you, a descendant of David, of all people. You should have been waiting for this moment. Here I give you the opportunity. And you throw her away. I'll find another man to, to marry her. Da, 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 da. He doesn't say that. He gets it. Joseph. It's okay. Don't be afraid to take Mary. And what do you think the first time you see an angel? We're going to talk about this in a moment. Where is he seeing this angel? In a dream. Pepperoni pizza was bad. He shouldn't have had the pepperoni. He was a Jew. Anyway, so. <laughs> He's having nightmares. Angels are coming to him in the middle of his dream. Have you ever had dreams? Yes. Have they ever been vivid dreams? I decked Marsha once. I was a soccer goalie. And we were having this little tennis ball kind of ball or whatever. That's why we have a king-size bed. Anyways. uh, (laughs) And I reached out and I stabbed. You know, I was a soccer goalie, man. I was making that dramatic save. And I knew when I connected. (laughs) I woke up immediately. Anyways. Vivid dreams. I've had vivid dreams. Okay? I mean, I, I mean, just... I'm one of those, I mean, I can wake up and woo, you know. And I've had dreams where I believe God has shared stuff with me in it. Okay? 
not writing them in the Bible, not adding them to your revelation, okay? That was for me at that moment. But I've often been really wowed by this. There's a lot of dreams. Everybody dreams. You have lots of dreams. Yet through the word of God, there are numerous times when we know that God has what? Spoken to people in dreams. And somehow they knew what? There was God. They didn't wake up the day before and say, whoa, God just spoke to me. They probably didn't do it the next day. But somehow they knew at every moment this dream was what? Was real. The angel came to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, fear not to take to you Mary. Then he gives him the what? The explanation. First he gives him the consolation, the comfort. Okay, And then he gives him the communication. And says to him, and go on, it says, um, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Yahweh, by the Lord, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. So first, we have a foretelling, a prophetic foretelling. I hated to put prophetic foretelling because it's almost like a redundant statement. You know, we always think prophecy is the foretelling. But it is a foretelling, okay? First thing he tells them is a foretelling. Mary's going to what? Have a son. Could you imagine if she had a girl? Oops. (laughs) It was a bad dream. Okay, Mary's going to have a son, and you're going to call his name Yeshua. We read Jesus. Jesus, in the Greek, comes from the Hebrew. Again, remember, this is to the Jews, right? Yeshua. Long form, Yahashua. Yahashua. Okay, Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua is Yahashua. Yeshua, okay? And literally, it means, his name means, Yaho, Jehovah, Yahweh, Shua, saves. Yahweh saves. That's what Jesus' name means. You're going to call him Yahweh saves. Why? Because he's going to deliver who? Ah. Chuck, say it again. His people. His people. Ah. Who are his people? Jews. Israel. He's going to deliver his people from their sins. Now, understand, we already had the glimpse, right? That he's going to be the Messiah for the whole world. But got to remember, right now, specifically, he is Messiah to who? The Jews. And he's specifically coming for a purpose. And that is to save his people from their sins. You can read Romans chapter 11, and we know that in the day is coming when, when Christ comes back again. He's going to deliver them at the Battle of Armageddon. He's going, to, he's going to establish his, his, his uh, throne in Jerusalem, right? And we read in Romans chapter 11, and so all Israel will be saved. Okay? So there is a point where all this is playing out. We're, we're, we're living prophecy, okay? But when Jesus died on the cross, I want you to think about this now. When Jesus died on the cross, whose sins were paid for? Everyone. All of mankind. Even unbelievers, this is a struggle. 
This is where it separates me very drastically from those who call themselves Calvinists, who that tulip stuff is of the devil, okay? That I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'd be bold with this stuff. That L, the L stands for limited atonement. And what they teach with, with, with that tulip, this is, you know, I say the names, but I don't, I don't want to do that on tape. Anyways, but John Piper, I'm going to say it. Look at, he's got a lot of great stuff, but I promise you, you've got to be careful, okay, of certain things. That L stands for limited atonement, and what they believe is that Jesus only died for the elect. That's not what the Word of God teaches. He died for every man. Now, it only applies if they would say that it was limited in of application, that it's only applied to those who what? Believe. I agree. But that's not what they mean. Be careful. A lot of people th- think they're five-point Calvinists, and you're not. Because you just need to understand what they really mean, okay? It's not what they mean. They mean that he only died for the elect. That's not true. When Jesus died, he died for the sins of everyone. He died for the sins of Israel, his people. He died for your sins, my sins. The difference is, have you accepted the sacrifice which he's made for you? Make sense? It's already paid. All you got to do is accept it. But we reject the Christmas package. There's a gift under the tree. It has my name on it. it. has your name on it. it. has everybody's name on it. They each have their own little package. I don't need his stinking gift. I can buy that thing on my own. I can work for it. No, you really can't. His name would be Yeshua. Yahweh saves. His purpose would be to save the people from his sins. And then we have the second prophecy immediately. It says, and this was to fulfill then the previous prophecy. And that was that the virgin would what? Have a, be with child, right? She would give forth the child, and she would call his name Emmanuel. His name means God with us. I gave you verses there on the sermon note sheet. You can, you can look at it. Zechariah chapter 2, Zechariah chapter 12. Where in Isaiah 48, I could have put that on there too, where Yahweh declares in the Old Testament, this is so exciting, the Trinity is in the Old Testament. It's not a New Testament thing. It's in the Old Testament. Where Yahweh declares that he would be sent that Yahweh Sabaoth would send him. How cool is this? And he would dwell in their midst. In fact, Zechariah 12 says, and they will look upon him, on me, they will look upon me, Yahweh speaking, they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for the only begotten of the Father. Sounds pretty, uh, pretty clear, don't you? Yahweh's going to come to the earth, they were going to pierce him, he was going to come back to deliver them, and they'll figure it out at that moment. Yahweh with us. That's who he is. What if you were De- Joseph? What would you do at this moment? You, you're having this dream. It's a pretty vivid dream. Remember, don't forget, this is a dream. It's all a dream. Do you just want this dream? I mean, because you love Mary. You want a believer, don't you? I mean, you're, you're, you're being a just man and you're just wanting to put her away privately. And she's probably what? Begging you. She's probably trying to tell you numerous times what? Joseph, I'm telling you the truth. You have to trust me. Would you start thinking to yourself, now it's affecting my dreams. You, you know what I'm saying? And you start to question it. This decision that's about to happen it's mind-boggling it's mind to me. I mean, I get what God has done, but 
Jesus is God in the flesh. Joseph is just a man. And he's about to make a decision that affects you and me. Do you get it? And I think about it. How many decisions do I make that affect so many other people? And how many times do I get it wrong? Do I doubt what God could be doing? Oh, God couldn't use me like that. Really? Maybe he wants to. Maybe he's got something pretty big for you. Bigger than you can ever imagine. And he wants to use you. Even though you're just a son of a carpenter. You're a nobody. You're from the town of Nazareth. Does God want to use you? Joseph said what? I'll do it. He awoke. And he immediately took his wife. And look what it says. He doesn't just take her. But then he what? He stays away from her. Guys, that's a big deal. You know that. And he stays away from her until the baby is born. Why? She wouldn't be the virgin, and everybody would always be able to claim what? It really wasn't. Joseph had such a huge part. We, the annunciation of Mary and all this worship of Mary, you know, from the Catholic Church and stuff like that. I think of Joseph. What a godly man. By faith, Joseph took Mary to be his bride against all human faculties to believe God, that God was able. So, have you followed God's commands? Have you trusted in the divine message of deliverance from your sins? Do you believe that Yahweh himself came to the earth in the person of Jesus? Massive decision. Are you trusting in God to fulfill his other prophetic promises? He's got many more. We're only Matthew 1, but there's so many more that's about to happen. Do you really believe that those things are going to happen too? When you are pressed to make a hard decision, to where and to whom do you turn? Do you turn to God? Do you turn to his word? Finally then, is there a need to change the way you think? We'll talk about that in two weeks when we get to the message of repentance. And we get to this metanoia, change the way you think. We'll come back full circle to using this. And therefore change the way you act. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your word, which is quick and powerful and sharp and twitched sword. And I thank you for the testimony of Joseph and how you used him, Lord, to help raise Messiah. <sighs> to have that knowledge is just mind-boggling to me. But I thank you, Lord, that he was faithful. I thank you that you, you gave him what he needed to make the proper decision. Lord, I believe that you will do the same for us. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.